Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> Are we having fun yet? Welcome to the legal tampering period. I am your host here on Locked On Dolphins, Kyle Krabs, and let me tell you, if you thought this team was going to sit on their hands and watch the days go by, you got another thing coming. The Dolphins aren't exactly spending as though the money that they have is burning a hole in their pocket, but to spend what they have agreed to spend yesterday, let's be very clear, no contracts were signed yesterday in free agency. But the Dolphins agreed to terms with four players. Offensive guard Eric Flowers, cornerback Byron Jones, the big fish, linebacker Kyle Van Noy, and defensive end Shaq Lawson. These are pretty significant upgrades at all four positions. Let's call a spade a spade here. The Dolphins and Dolphins fans should be very excited about the kinds of players that Miami has targeted in free agency. And people are going to tell you, well, the Dolphins overpaid, and that's how they got this mess in the first place. In which case, I would tell you to look at the contract structure, because the contract structure, spending money is not the problem. How you spend the money is the problem. And the Dolphins were committing to pay guaranteed money three years from now so that they could afford to sign an Andre Branch on their roster. This is not the case. This is the entire reason why the Dolphins did the Band-Aid method and got rid of all the bad cap and all the the ugly guarantees because the Dolphins reached a certain tipping point within the last 10 years, and they decided we want to continue to try and compete, but in order to do that, we need to create more cap space. So to do that, we're going to take cap space that we are committed to right now, and we're going to defer it to the next three years and spread it out. And if you do that, for 15 to 20 million dollars for three separate guys, guess what? Soon before long, you're paying two premium contracts in dead money for guys that are over the hill that you could have just got done paying three years ago. That's how the Dolphins got in this mess. So do not let people, because trust me, uh, an unfortunate side effect is I'm on social media all the time with this job. You're on social media all the time. You read all the tweets and all the same old Dolphins back to spending in free agency and oh, so much for building through the draft. This team give away all these draft picks that they have still or no? Because last I checked, the oldest free agent that they signed was Kyle Van Noy and he's 28. So each of these guys is still younger players. We'll get into the specific price points on each of them and their impact on the Dolphins here momentarily. But they paid market price, and with with the new CBA and with the salary cap increasing of a rate of approximately $10 million per year and expected 
further growth with the players now starting in 2021 getting a greater piece of the revenue sharing pie. That salary cap increase is going to continue to grow. These seem like big numbers now, and they are big numbers. I mean, let's be honest. Byron Jones got a record-setting contract. But these are not numbers that are going to cripple this team because of the way the Dolphins managed the cap last year to give themselves the flexibility, how they're structuring these contracts where they're putting all the guaranteed money in the front end of the contract. So all of the guarantees. Byron Jones has $40 million in guaranteed money in the first two years. So if you play this year and you play next year and Byron Jones isn't living up to the contract that you've given him, you can cut him. And the remaining dead cap is going to be spread out over two years. And it will be much less impactful than if you sign Byron Jones and you're like, hey, Byron, this is what the Dolphins used to do. Hey, Byron, we'd love to have you. We're going to give you a record-setting contract, but we can only give you a $5 million base salary now. And we're going to give you a $5 million signing bonus. And then we're going to give you a roster bonus on the first day of the league calendar next year for $15 million. And then it rolls around to the first day of the calendar league next year. And he's got that $15 million roster bonus that's going to kick in. And you go to two other players and you say, hey, Rashad, we know this time last year you just signed a brand new contract for five years, $60 million. But we want to add somebody else. And Byron's got... A $15 million roster bonus that's going to kick in today. So we want to give you a restructured contract, and we want to take your $10 million bonus, and we want to kick that back to next year. And you just kick it down the road. And the Dolphins are not doing that. They're front-loading the contracts, and that gives them so much flexibility for if these contracts blow up in their face. The Eric Turner con or the, the Eric Flowers contract. May or may not be bad foreshadowing that I blended him with Billy Turner. Eric Flowers was three-year, $30 million with $20 million guaranteed. The two, $20 million in guarantees is all in the first two years of the contract. It's a two-year deal. It's a two-year, $20 million deal with a third-year team option for $10 million if he plays well. That's how you have to look at these contracts. So people are going to look at the raw numbers and they're going to turn their nose up and misery loves company. And they're going to sit here and poo-poo on what the Dolphins did yesterday. And I'm here to tell you, you should be freaking stoked about what Miami did yesterday. Chris Greer told us we could do whatever we want. And this team came out and they targeted players that are great scheme fits for what they want to run. Think you're going to continue to see them commit to power players on the offensive line. And defensively, you got a strong side defensive end in Shaq Lawson, who's a very underrated football player who played the best year of his career in 2019. Former first round pick. Byron Jones, who's the most slept on safety and corner because he doesn't get picks because he's a blanket in press man coverage. And Kyle Van Noy, who's the chess piece, who had his best career season in 2018 under Brian Flores. Significant upgrades to this Joker linebacker role, front side defensive end, and corner. Three upgraded spots in the defense already, and the team still has every single draft pick they're scheduled to make, and the Houston Texans' first round pick and second round pick in 2020. Ha <laughs> ha! 
we're going to talk about the Houston Texans, but not before this brief pause for sponsor identification. So stick with us. We'll be right back because we got to talk about the Miami Dolphins futures portfolio because it's looking pretty fine right about now. So if you've only been paying attention to what the Miami Dolphins have been doing in free agency, please allow me to catch you up. The Buffalo Bills last night traded a first-round pick and some additional picks for wide receiver Stephon Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings. It's an upgrade within the division. Worth acknowledging. I say that to say this. Buffalo at its core, traded a first-round pick for Stephon Diggs. Meanwhile, our friends to the south, the Houston Texans, who we actively rooted against all year long and will once again be actively rooting against all of next year, given our possession of their their draft selections that they gave us in return for Laramie Tunsil, uh, traded DeAndre Hopkins yesterday who, for my money, is the best wide receiver in football. DeAndre Hopkins is still 27 years old. DeAndre Hopkins has three years of control left on his contract and is not owed more than $14 million in any one of those three years of his contract. Uh, For perspective... Amari Cooper just signed a five-year, $100 million contract with the Dallas Cowboys, or is going to be signing a five-year, $100 million contract with the Dallas Cowboys. That was agreed upon last night. So Hopkins, better football player than Amari Cooper for my money, and $6 million less per year in each of the next three years. In the last three seasons, DeAndre Hopkins for the Houston Texans has logged 315 catches, 4,115 yards and 31 touchdowns. And Houston traded him yesterday to the Arizona Cardinals for David Johnson and a second round pick. When the news came through, I can't tell you how many times I had to check to make sure it was a real account that shared the details of the trade. Because at first it was just the Texans are trading for David Johnson. And it's like, oh, 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 that's funny. Bill O'Brien's got the Texans trading for an over-the-hill running back as they continue to push their chips all the way in. That's, That's fun. I wonder what draft pick they traded. And then it came out, it was DeAndre Hopkins. The Miami Dolphins made the trade like eight months ago, for Laramie Tunsil with some optimism, some reasonable optimism that, you know, these were going to be picks in the early 20s, the first-round picks. Turns out 26 for the first first first-round pick. The 2021, Houston's in a division, okay? Houston is in a division. That has the Indianapolis Colts, who are probably going to sign Phillip Rivers, and had a Super Bowl caliber roster last year if Andrew Luck had not retired. 
They're a very good football team. They finished the year 7-9. The Tennessee Titans, who went to the AFC Championship game and are planning to run it back with Ryan Tannehill being their quarterback, who was very successful after the team started 2-4. Marcus Mariota starting most of those games, I believe the first five games. And then... The Jacksonville Jaguars, who are a team in the midst of a teardown, who will probably be very bad. You can make an, a legitimate argument for the Houston Texans to be the third best team in the AFC South. And if they miss the playoffs, and if the players have had it enough of Bill O'Brien, which uh, I don't know if you're familiar with NFL Insider Benjamin Albright, but we've done some some crossover work with him in the past. He he did some stuff with our draft show at the Draft Network last year. He's fairly well connected, and uh, Ben sent out a tweet yesterday that said Houston players are not happy in the aftermath. So Houston, if you'll remember, fired general manager Rick Smith. And didn't replace him. They kept wanting to hire Nick Casero from New England. And they kind of put it off. They got pot- New England was flexed on him and said, if if you keep calling Nick Casero while he's under contract, we're going to hit you for tampering. So Houston backed off or whatever because they didn't get permission to do the interview with him. And then Bill O'Brien's kind of running the show and they do the Laramie Tunsil deal and they get fleeced. Right? And everybody who has a... a an understanding of NFL valuation of players and Laramie Tunsil for two ones and a two and not extending his contract is baffling. It's terrible team management. And then you get to the end of the year and all of a sudden Houston's calling up Washington asking about Trent Williams. And it's like, well, okay, yeah. Then why'd you trade the two ones and the two for Tunsil? If you're going to be asking us now about Trent Williams, Houston kind of feels like a team that's chasing their own tail here. They're reacting and, and to, to bright, flashy lights, and there's no real deeper-level strategy to team management. No better example than trading for an over-the-hill David Johnson and a second-round pick for the best wide receiver in football when the Minnesota Vikings got a first for Stephon Diggs, who's a worse football player. Not to say that Stephon Diggs is a bad football player. He's a very good wide receiver. Some some wide receiver diva issues there, some some durability issues from his past. They still got a one, and DeAndre Hopkins has none of the above. And now, like, Houston's response is to go out and give Randall Cobb three years, $27 million with, like, $19 million in guaranteed money, and, like, that's how they're going to address the wide receiver position after getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins? If you're a Miami Dolphins fan, you have to be looking at those 2021 Houston Texans draft picks, and they are potential golden tickets because this team has the potential. They are extremely talented in a a number of very important spots, but they have the potential to go nuclear so freaking fast because they are run by a head coach GM unilateral decision maker who is running elite talents out of town faster than you can say tank for Tua. Jadavion Clowney last year 
and DeAndre Hopkins for the 2018 season were two of their five best football players, and both were like 25, 26 years old. Houston franchise tag Clowney. Meanwhile, this this fiasco happened under the watch of Bill O'Brien as well. Tagged Jadavion Clowney, could not get him to sign his tender, did not trade him, got to the season, and it became apparent that Clowney had all the leverage because he never signed his tender, so they can only trade him after Clowney agrees to go to a certain team. That's why Clowney's not did not end up in Miami, mind you. So they got a third-round pick and two backup linebackers, Jacob Martin and Barkevius Mingo. That was all they got for Jadavion Clowney in the prime of his career on a franchise tag. And then DeAndre Hopkins, they get a second-round pick, and David Johnson, who is a washed-up running back. The Houston Texans draft picks for 2021 should have you almost as stoked as what free agency was yesterday, or the legal tampering period, the uh, negotiation window was for the Miami Dolphins yesterday. And I wouldn't expect the Dolphins are done either. You know, they they, they had still discussed Logan Ryan. I don't think Logan Ryan's going to be in play for them now with all the money that's been sunk into Byron Jones. Of course, uh, Joe Dooney got franchise tagged by the Patriots. I think that's a, a strategic tag by them. I think it's smart business by them, and I think it, it takes him off for the Dolphins. I think that's why you saw them so eager to shift gears to plan B with Eric Flowers. We're going to talk about each of the four players the Dolphins agreed to terms with yesterday in depth in our final segment today of Locked On Dolphins. So sit tight, sponsor identification coming right up, and then we're going to rip through these four names, why you should care, why you should be excited, what can go right, what can go wrong. We'll be right back after this. Okay, so let's let's start with the signing that the pending signing that I'm not crazy about, but I get. Offensive guard Eric Flowers, former Miami Hurricane, three years, thirty million, twenty million in guarantees, each in, in twenty millions in guarantees on the first years of the contract. Flowers, to his credit, had a nice season in 2019 with Washington. Uh, Good bounce back, good stability. This is a player that was a former top 10 pick. Offensive tackle really struggled to get his footing. Very, very bad in pass protection at offensive tackle. And then eventually got kicked inside and had a a service of a season in which he was a serviceable starting guard. Where he wins is for his size. He's fairly fluid. Um, He's still a little too overreactive to stuff. He can overset. He can you know, be a little too aggressive, weight distribution, inconsistencies. That's where he'll struggle. But he is a player that will play well in a phone booth because you limit his ability to overextend himself and get out of position and misframe his blocks. And he's going to play forward, and he's going to reset the line of scrimmage. So if you got real tired of watching Daniel Kilgore Michael Dieter and Jesse Davis or Shaq Calhoun or whoever the right guard was at the time failed to generate any movement whatsoever at the point of attack, Eric Flowers is not the kind of player that's going to struggle to win the line of scrimmage in the run game. That's the good news. And with his length, he's got a very large blocking radius. 
I think this is a telling sign for what you will see Miami gravitate towards uh, with their offensive linemen. I think you're not going to see a whole lot of finesse. I think you'll see more of a power presence. And I think that's that's good as long as they adopt that across the front and they get some continuity and, and unity in what they want to be with their offensive line. Physical tone setters, right? Guys who can win at first contact. Guys who can uproot and move bodies so that there are gaps to hit. That is very different than what we saw Miami implement this past year. Mainly because the personnel was not capable of doing a whole lot of anything. Um, they seemed to, to run best last year inside zone. Which you're going to you know get bodies on bodies and take them where they want to go and let backs create from there. I think they'll be a little bit more straightforward as far as you're going to hit the A gap. You're going to hit the B gap. Get downhill and go. And that hole will be there because we're going to create space. Uh, so expect power offensive tackles. If you look towards the draft, I think, really, honestly, any of the, the top four names are, are sensible names for Miami at offensive tackle if they're there at 18. Uh, I think in free agency, you think about you know, Jack Conklin went three years, $42 million to the Cleveland Browns. That he would have been a sensible name, but it seemed the Do- the Dolphins you know, showed some restraint, wanted to spend their money elsewhere, and I'm fine with it, to be honest with you. Um, the Dolphins certainly could have afforded him, but it seems as though they've they've got their eyes on other options, and there are other options out there for power presences as the offensive tackle position and the interior offensive line. So I think that's a telling sign for for what the offensive line additions are going to look like for the Dolphins. So I don't love that signing because Flowers has so much, so many red marks on his resume. Uh, but 2019 was a good year, and now the challenge for the Dolphins is now that he's returning to where he played his college ball, uh, keep him motivated and make sure he builds upon what was a strong, respectable 2019 season. Shaq Lawson was the next name that came through, and I, I think Shaq Lawson is a name that's slept on by a lot of people because he only had six and a half sacks last year. But if you ask any Buffalo Bills fan, I guarantee you they are bummed that they are losing out on Shaq Lawson. I guarantee you. Shaq Lawson plays the run extremely well. He is another heavy-handed, long-armed, stout anchor, Win the line of scrimmage defender. So he's against another Clemson Tiger. He's got a, a little bit of a track record and run with Marion Hobby, the Dolphins' defensive line coach. So him and Christian Wilkins side by side. Devon Godchow is another interior defender. We're looking to be in really good shape as far as our ability to set and establish the line of scrimmage. Shaq Lawson, no, he's not going to be a guy that rolls up 8 to 12 sacks every single year. He's a 6 to 8 sack guy. That's what he is. That's what you should expect him to be. He's got some power components to his game that I think will be very useful in Miami. You know, as a a collapse, you put that uh, outside Joker linebacker, Jack linebacker outside of him. So you got a speed component outside of him as well. You let him rush into the B gap. You let him rush into the C gap from a head up position on offensive tackles with a a body coming hot off off his hip. I think there's a lot of exciting potential there, especially with Wilkins. Uh, getting some complimentary football players to free up Christian Wilkins 
on the interior. Wilkins kind of had the light bulb come on last year, but even you know, down the stretch, the Dolphins just didn't have complementary players. And I think that's important to recognize for why didn't Christian Wilkins play like a first-round pick? I don't understand. The Dolphins still drafted him at 13, and they should have got better value, and I can't believe they got a bust already. And Chris, like, stop with the, the, the negativity around Christian Wilkins. you got to realize the defensive line, a pass rush unit, you got to have complementary pieces. And the Dolphins were playing a number of players out of position that were not able to execute their primary responsibility to manipulate the protection. You don't have any juice off the edge. So yeah, they're going to slide and they're going to condense and they're going to make the, the middle, which is the shortest distance between two lines, or between two points is a straight line, they're going to make the middle harder to work through, and they're going to leave their tackles on islands because they don't think that the short-armed, non-explosive guys that the Dolphins are running outside on uh, outside pass rush are going to be able to get it done on a consistent basis. And guess what? They didn't. <laughs> and they didn't have the power components to really walk guys back either. Which brings us to Kyle Van Noy. Uh, Shaq Lawson, really good. He's going to be a really good early down defender. I think he'll be a 6-8 to eight sack guy. He's going to play a lot of snaps. He's going to establish and set the line of scrimmage. Kyle Van Noy is the chess piece. And obviously, if you go back, check the stat sheet. He had his best career season in 2018 under Brian Flores. He is going to be playing a lot of time in a lot of different places. So he will be the player that you're going to have to search for and look for, whether he's playing off ball, whether he's playing end man on the line of scrimmage, whether he's playing in zone coverage, whether he's a blitzer and a twist player on the interior. He does a lot, and he's super smart. And you, I don't want to say you can eliminate linebacker from a potential draft perspective for the Dolphins, but between Raquan McMillan, who's going to play the Dante Hightower role for the Patriots defense, Kyle Van Noy, who's going to play the Kyle Van Noy role, and Jerome Baker, who is a rangy sideline-to-sideline and capable space defender, you've now got your nickel linebackers, can be Van Noy and Baker. You bring Raekwon off the field, and you bring in a, a, another defensive back. And you've got some really exciting combinations and blends and, and multiplicity with your dime, or your, yeah, your dime package and your nickel package. You keep those linebackers on the field, you run off a uh, Raekwon, and you run off one of your interior defensive linemen, Devon. Get some more heat off the edge. This is going to be a drastically different defense. And you should be excited to see it materialize. And of course, we would be remiss if we did not discuss Byron Jones, who's getting a record-setting contract from the Dolphins. Have to think this money became available when the Patriots strategically tagged Joe Thune. Uh, Thune, now under the tag for the Patriots, uh, the Patriots are going to make anybody who wants him come through the Patriots to get him. And uh, I think they'll, they're at a point where if Tom Brady decides he wants to come back, uh, they will be willing to manipulate the cap or maybe accelerate a trade for Dooney or do a restructure or whatever they got to do. But like, I got to say, the writing on the wall is not promising, in which we discussed yesterday how the Patriots just didn't have enough money to make this all work. Well, they signed all, all the guys that they signed, both McCourty's, they signed Matthew Slater, and they franchise check franchise tag Joe Thune. Uh, they're down to $23 million in cap space and don't have Tom Brady on the roster. So again, you have to ask yourself, is the writing on the wall here 
the Patriots are spending because they don't want to lose all their assets in the event that Tom doesn't come back. They want to maintain as much as possible. But on to Byron Jones. With Joe Thune being off the market, I think it really uh, freed them up to, you know, if you, if you look at it this way, they were probably willing to spend $15 million on Joe Thune and $10 million on uh, Logan Ryan. Hypothetically, hypothetically, ten to twelve million dollars on Logan Ryan. So you're talking twenty-five, twenty-seven million dollars for those two guys combined. Joe Thune comes off the board. Okay, well let's go get the big fish at corner instead. So we'll go from ten to twelve million for Logan Ryan, and we'll spend seventeen a year on Byron Jones, and then take the ten million left that we had budgeted for an interior offensive lineman and a corner, and we'll take the ten million that's left over from after we get Byron Jones his money, and we give it to Eric Flowers. Byron Jones, ignore the fact that he doesn't get ball production because he's just not thrown at a whole lot. He is a press man dynamo in coverage. Very exciting to pair him with Xavier Howard, who is the ball hawk that he is, is going to give the Dolphins a ton of opportunities to bring pressures and leave guys on islands. Right? Byron Jones, as a point of reference, was only thrown at 64 times in 15 games last year. Gave up 34 receptions for under 400 yards total. Only missed one tackle on the season. Passer rating under 90 in his coverage. 53% completion. He was thrown at 80 times in 2018 and gave up 42 catches, 52% completion. Passer, rater, passer rating under 85. Doesn't give up a lot of yards after catch. Pretty consistent tackler. He's got good length. He's explosive. He ran in the four threes at six foot two oh five when he came out of the NFL combine. Former first round pick. Him and Xavier Howard pairing together is going to give the Dolphins a ton of opportunities to play aggressive, play in the face of opposing receivers. Be interested to see if now they go after a single high free safety with a lot of range. Grant Delpit comes to mind. He's kind of expe- he could be in that dead zone in 18 where if all the tackles go and there's no val- good value in the edge if Caleb on Chason's gone. Grant Delpit at 18, it it makes a lot more sense and gets a lot more exciting for what Miami's defense can look like if they go out they sign a nose tackle. And then they managed to get a speed presence off the edges and upgrade at the pass rush position. So we're starting to see the pieces fall together. You can start to see me come back again on this show again tomorrow. So hit subscribe, come back, check us out, stay tuned. More fireworks ahead today, I'm sure. We're going to break it all down. Locked on Dolphins. Keep it locked in right here. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.